Man, thanks, team. Wow. What an incredible time. Uh, I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 8, just uh, even in that spirit of worship. Um, we're just going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, so turn in your phones, turn in print, however you want to do this. And uh, we're going to look at some verses here. We, we've been going through the book of Romans, if you're newer to our church. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, that was also Pastor Jake there as well. And uh, we're glad you're here this morning, and this, these songs we're singing, the power of God, the, the work that he's done, the freedom that he's given us, uh, uh, we're going to talk about that freedom a little bit even this morning. And it comes out of a chapter we just got out of where Paul was talking about this struggle that he has in life where he, he talked about how he can't stop like sinning, like there was just something he kept going back into and kept getting into, and it was a cycle of sin, confess, repeat, sin, confess, repeat, and how do I get out of that? And he's struggling with that, and it's, it's a description really of his life, and, and he's wondering what is it going to take, and, and struggling, he gets to the end of Romans 7, he goes, wretched man that I am, who's going to set me free from the body of this death? And he goes, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he goes into Romans chapter 8, and he says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law he's talking about of sin and death is the law that God gave Moses, the Ten Commandments. And, and how its law is you break these things. It's called sin, missing the mark, the, the standard, the holy standard of God, and therefore death comes. That's what the law of Moses, those Ten Commandments bring, the moral law of God. So he says the, the law of the spirit of life, God, the law of spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law, the Ten Commandments, and the moral law of God was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man, us, in order to be the sin offering. So in the Old Testament, there were sin offerings, but Jesus is the sin offering. Like there's no other sin offering needed. So he sends Jesus in the likeness of sinful man in order to be a sin offering, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to sinful nature, but now according to the Spirit. It's a lot to take in. He talks about this idea that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In a room this size, I would imagine there's quite a few of us that struggle with feelings or thoughts of condemnation. And we'll talk about what all that looks like. Um, but it, it's this idea, this, this, it feels like a truth, right? It feels real. We think it's real, whether it's thoughts or feelings, that we still feel condemned. Even though we've confessed sin, we still feel guilt. Even so, though we've confessed and, and told God, we still feel this shame. It goes on for years and years, and, and we could replay the tapes and the audio, and it could be 30, 40, 50 years ago, and we could be there in a moment. In fact, it always just keeps coming up. We always keep remembering. Somehow, some way, it's always there, and we can't shake it. So many of us. 
There was a story, um, I was in Alpha, I, we do Alpha at our church. If you're new to our church, what's Alpha? It's a, it's a talk, it's, or actually it's a, a discussion, a meal, a talk and a discussion. So we eat together, great time, great food, and, and then we watch a video, a talk, and then we discuss it. And it's a great place to bring people who are, one, really new to this whole thing of following Jesus, or people who are trying to figure this out, or people that have no interest at all in Christ. And so at my table, I have four atheists, and I have some other people that are just trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ. And it is a lively conversation, a lot of nights. It's really good. Um, One night we had uh, Jeremiah, we're three weeks in, and Jeremiah has been walking with Christ. He's a Christian, just coming out of a life of addiction. And he just blurts out. He says, I hate myself. We were talking about something, and it came up. He said, I really hate myself. I'm trying not to hate myself, but I hate myself. I know I should love myself. I know God loves me. And this guy's a Christian, right? He says, I know God loves me, but I cannot stop hating myself. And, and of course, the group kind of tries to rally and say, well, you know, and give him encouragement, things like this, but nothing, nothing was helping. Wasn't having any of it. And, and as it went on, I was just sitting there, and I just got the impression, I mean, the, God gives us this gift. If we follow Christ, he gives us the gift to discern spirits. What's going on? Is this something of heaven, the spirit of God, or is this something not of heaven, and it's either this person, this world, uh, demonic, whatever. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm going, yeah, this sounds, this sounds demonic. It just does. I didn't say anything. Uh, I didn't have the right to, didn't have the permission to in that moment. I didn't want to embarrass him. And we had other people in the room that were right there at the table that had been like, what? Um, so I didn't. And I figured, well, if it is demons, they've been there a while. They'll, they'll hang on. They'll be fine. And uh, so we waited and we got through our Holy Spirit weekend, which was here uh, third Saturday or third weekend in October, the next weekend is Alpha. We have a day away. Every Alpha session, there's one day where we get away, and it's all about the Holy Spirit. And so we came, and we had these talks, and there was a time of prayer that happened, and uh, Jeremiah, I asked permission. He gave me permission. I think I said that. I hope I did. But uh, I said, hey, Jeremiah, I mean, he wanted to go first. He's like, hey, I'm in. I want prayer. If we're praying for the Holy Spirit and more of God, I'm in. I'm like, all right. Um, And I said, hey, you know, you said something about this whole how much you hate yourself. Do you still struggle with that? He's like, oh, yeah. And if you're around Jeremiah long, you can tell because he doesn't make eye contact very well. He looks down. He doesn't look up. And uh, that could be for a lot of reasons, but I was looking at it going, huh, I wonder. So we started talking, and um, one of the things, uh, it came up really quick. I said, well, I said, you know God loves you, right? He's like, oh yeah, I know God loves me. I said, okay, that's good. You, you love yourself, like, in the right way, or you're trying to. He's like, yeah. I said, so this whole thing over here where you hate yourself, do you think that's really you, or could that actually be something that's demonic? And he's like, I don't know. I said, well, you want to find out? And he's like, okay, sure. So the group of us, we just prayed and just asked, you know, Holy Spirit, if this is something that is not from, it's not from you, we know it, he doesn't want it. If it's something that's from Satan's kingdom, we just command whatever spirit, if, if there is one that's part of this, that's causing this, you come forward right now in the name of Jesus Christ, and boom. He, spirit, the demon just kind of took over his body. He's just writhing, his face contorts, and um, you could tell it was demonic, and I just... You know, we're starting to get out of control. I'm just like, knock it off, whatever. This is Christ's place. Stop it. And so it 
it stopped and just said, what right do you have to be here? Why do you have a right to attack Jeremiah? And immediately, my mom cursed me when I was five years old. My mom actually said this, my mom called me Satan when I was five years old. I said, okay. Or his mom, it spoke third person, if I remember correctly. And so I said, all right, knock it off. I, I want Jeremiah in full control. And so Jeremiah, you know, he comes to kind of thing. And I said, hey, Jeremiah, this is what's going on. And he's trying to put this all together. I said, look, this has come, this came when you were five years old. Your mom cursed you. And he's like, I mean, he's putting this together. Like this has been going on all this time and this is what it's about. And uh, I said, here's the deal. It's a lie. You are not Satan. You're loved by God. You're his son. So you've believed this lie. Do you feel like you could agree like that is a lie and you've believed it? Yeah. Do you want to confess that and, and ask forgiveness for that or receive forgiveness? I'm in for that. And so I said, okay, that's simply what we're going to do. You're, you're going to just say, Lord, I'm sorry for believing this lie. You're going to receive forgiveness. And then we're just going to kick this demon's rear end out and it'll be fine. He's like, all right. And so we pray through this thing, and he confesses, and then he receives forgiveness. And it's powerful. I mean, there's this power right there. You, the, all the group of people, everybody's eyes are kind of like, what is going on? And, and the power of Christ was manifest. It wasn't the power of the demonic. It was the power of Christ that people were going, wow, what is this? And then he said, you know, in the name of Christ, now you're going to do it. I'm not going to do this. You tell it to go. I mean, you have Christ in you, and it's, you know, and, and there's just this righteous anger that all of a sudden just came up, where he all of a sudden is kind of ticked off, like, how long have I let this go on? And he just says, you know, in the name of Christ, and commands it to leave, and it leaves, and he's in his chair, and he can barely sit in his chair, and he's just, he's just overwhelmed, and it is the power of God on him, it's the peace of God on him, and he can barely move. And we just kind of sit there, and I said, just receive it. Don't go anywhere. You know, you don't have to, there's no other agenda. Just receive what God's giving you. And I said, now, you've heard that voice of condemnation. What is Christ saying to you? And he just starts saying, I'm, I'm chosen. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm his. He loves me. He starts just going off on these things that Christ begins to just tell him. You know, and tears are coming down, and, and it's just the peace of Christ. It's the presence of Christ. You know, he's in his mid-30s. It's 30 years, probably. 30 years of being condemned. And uh, I asked him, I said, hey, can I share this story? He's like, dude, I ain't got any secrets. You can tell whoever you want. I mean, you got to know Jeremiah. He's the funniest guy. He's like, tell whoever you want. Tell them that Christ can set you free from that. Now, Paul writes, there's therefore now no condemnation. And really, where condemnation come from, comes from, if we follow Christ, there's, there's two sources of it. And if we as Christians are struggling with condemnation, we've we got to understand how this works. There's two sources. Paul explained very clearly in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 that God is a source of condemnation. His law brings condemnation for those who break it. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 say everyone has broken it and therefore the condemnation that comes is death. Everyone deserves that. So there is a righteous condemnation that comes from God. That's not bad. That's just, it, it's just. It's righteous. 
It's holy. It's not wrong. It's not capricious or kind of just God's pulling out whatever feeling he has. It's based on his word. So there's the source of God as condemnation. And that's one that causes us in a healthy way to fear him. What Paul goes on to say, though, and I love this, is this, this condemnation that we've been under, we're free, um, free from because the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So how did we get free from the condemnation? Well, Jesus came in the form of sinful man like us to become a sin offering so that, right, for us who believe in Christ, he takes our condemnation. He kind of pushes us out of the way, stands in our place and says, I'll take their condemnation. And so we are set free from condemnation. The law could never do that for us, but Jesus can do that through his blood and resurrection. Blood on the cross and resurrection from the dead. So for anyone who follows Christ, the truth is, the reality is, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation, period. There's another source, though, of condemnation, and it's it's demonic in origin it's the only other place it's satanic and and satan actually one of his names is the accuser and what he does is he spends all his time accusing us condemning us and they're lies if we follow Christ, they're all lies, but that's what he does. Job's, Job tap, chapter 2 reveals this scene where God and, and Satan are in heaven, and Satan's what? It says, accusing Job, basically saying, look, you, you set Job up great. Of course he loves you, follows you. Take that away. He's not gonna. And that's his accusation. That's his condemnation. God says, have at it, and takes it all away. And what does Job do? He keeps praising God. It, it's a lie. Job kept praising God. Then friends come along, and what do friends do? Friends are, are used, I really think, by Satan to condemn Job. You, you did something wrong. You went wrong somewhere. You've broken a command. You, you deserve this. This is God's judgment. That's why this is all going on, which was a lie. You sinned for some reason, and that's why your life is so bad. God's condemning you. A lie. Lie, lie, lie. That's what Satan does. Zechariah chapter 3, chapter 2 or 3, uh, chapter 3, uh, is this scene where it says Satan was accusing, again, in the court of heaven, Satan was accusing this priest named Joshua. Again, this role of condemnation coming at God's people. Revelations chapter 12 sets up this scene. Satan's in heaven, and it just gives this sense of never stop, continuous, unrelenting assault on the people of God. And what is he doing? Accusing. That is the role of Satan. That's what he does. He accuses, he condemns. And if he can get us to believe that lie right? We're in chains. We're no longer free. Steals joy. Steals freedom. Steals this ability to move forward. It, it, we believe this lie. All of a sudden, this lie becomes more real than the truth of God and becomes this barrier. It becomes this wall. It becomes something between us and God because we're believing a lie rather than believing truth. And how does this work? Well, there's several different ways. I don't want to say this is the exhaustive list, but there's several ways that we can choose to buy into Satan's condemnation. 
And the first one is, we believe the lie that we're really not forgiven. You ever believe that one? Satan comes along and says, you know, I, I see Christians ask for forgiveness, and they say, well, I've asked and I've asked, but I've never received forgiveness. And, and so the lie is you've never received it. The truth is, first, not First John, Ephesians chapter 2, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Meaning, you confess, he forgives. That's the promise. That's the truth. And yet somehow Satan twists it, and, and, and so we don't believe it, and we're always left in this suspended state of always wondering, are we forgiven, and did we earn it? And then when bad stuff happens in the life, we start to think, oh yeah, that's because I'm not forgiven, and God's just punishing me. He's still punishing me for, for all that stuff that I, I'm clearly not forgiven for, and he's still, he's still getting his pound of flesh out of me or whatever. So the lie of unforgiveness, another lie, is the lie of false guilt. And, and Satan comes along and says, oh, you're not free, really. You haven't done enough. You haven't even begun to work your way out from under the pile of this mess. You know how much stuff you're going to have to do to earn it, to, to feel it, to get rid of this guilt? Anyone struggle with that one? I'll, I'll, I'll work it off, God. I'll, I'll do this. I won't do this for this false guilt. How about toxic shame? This is a really good lie. This is a lot of people in this room. I bet are under this one or have struggled with this one maybe over the years. Toxic shame is this. You are so evil. Look what you did. You're the worst. I mean, there's no one. No one can top what you did. Like if anybody ever found out what you did and what you've done, they'll reject you, they'll write you off, they'll never let you in to the church. You better hope nobody finds out. Right? God can never forgive that. God can forgive a lot of things. He ain't forgiven that. I mean, you're messed up. The problem with toxic shame, it's just like you get reminded of it all the time. It comes up and you're just like, yeah. That. And it separates and it isolates and it keeps us in this place where we really can't go to God because we're so bad and we definitely can't share it with people because what are they going to think? And then there's a final lie which is a powerful lie. It's the power of curses, where someone can come along and curse someone. Jeremiah's mom did that, cursed him, said, you're Satan, stuck to him. It's the power. You and I are spirit beings, and I don't know how much you buy into that, but the Word of God says we are spiritual beings, and what you say and what I say has incredible power and authority, whether we believe it or not. And we can curse things and we can bless things. Our words have power. That's what makes this even powerful when you see parents up here saying, I want to bless my child and I want my child to grow up knowing about God. And as far as me and my house, Jesus, I speak the kingdom over my child. That, that's power right there, what we just saw. 
And curses can happen to people we, from people we know, people we don't know, and they say something and it just, it's that lie that gets in us and we can never break it. It seems impossible. And the thing is, you, can, you and I can take any one of these lies that Satan feeds us and we can believe it and it can, it can own us. It, it, not own us, it, it, it can have influence over us and, and haunt us for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We wear it like a cloak, right? I mean, as Christians, Christ owns us. Let's be very clear on that. Christ owns us. But these things can still have influence. And it can own us. I've seen these things come, and I keep using that word. It can influence us um, years and decades later, and it doesn't even make sense why, but it does. And there's lies in it. And so as, as we look at Scripture, when Paul says there's therefore now com- no condemnation, it, it includes every lie that even could be out there. So God's condemnation is settled at the cross, and if we come and receive him as our Savior, condemnation is done, period, over, all condemnation. And any other condemnation out there is false condemnation. It's lies, and it shouldn't stick to us. And so if it does, then what is the lie that we're believing? And how does that still have its grip? Or how is it that we're still wearing that cloak? Or how is it that that's a a place, maybe it's uh, the luggage in our suitcase, and we still got that lie we're packing around, right? Or there's this home in our house, and there's this closet back there that we really don't want to open or never thought to open and it's back hidden in there it doesn't own us it's just still with us christ took all of the condemnation all of it he didn't leave a a bit of it behind for us to pay off or somehow work off or work our way out of he paid all of it took all of it there is therefore now no condemnation That's the power of God. And if you're sitting here this morning and you struggle, you you have, you you know, you wake up in the morning, you can hear those condemning thoughts or those condemning voices or you have those moments where you feel that toxic shame and it's overwhelming and you really feel like, I can't even be in this room. I want to run. I want to leave and those things and and you want to get free of that. There, there's, I guess, two different things. One is you have to figure out where you fall out with Christ first. And, and if you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, that, that's the first place you start. That really is. And you have to come to him and say, hey, look, I need you to save me. And, and his salvation is offered to anybody. Anybody who, who wants to come and receive him. And you, you have to agree with the terms of his salvation. It can't be on yours. We, we like to create our own terms, but he just says, hey, no, you need to come and admit you need to be saved, which means you admit that you have sinned. You know you've sinned. You know you've gone against my moral law and against me. You, and it's that nature inside of us that wants to be God and control it all. And you have to admit that and say, Lord, would you forgive me? Or no, Lord, I confess this and I receive your forgiveness. And in that moment, he'll forgive you. And the other side of that is not only saying, Lord, I need your salvation, but it's also, Lord, I give you my life. I give you control, which is a 
pretty big deal. You're going to give him control of your life. You're going to tell him, look, from this day forward, you're, you're really going to be Lord, King, and I'll follow you. It's a big decision, and you, and you may not be ready for that. But if you want to stop those condemning voices and that shame and those feelings of guilt and unforgiveness, that is the only path forward. Counseling will not do that for you. It won't. It just won't do it. You can pay all the money in the world you want, but you will not get free of this except through Christ. If you follow Christ and you're sitting there going, man, I know this, I, I, this is it, um, man, that just describes me to a T. It's real simple, folks. It's just real simple. How, how do you get free of this? First of all, you, you look at the cross and you say, is this true? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and that is truth. And, and you stand on that truth, so then it's what is then the lie that is going on here? Or is there unconfessed sin, and maybe I need to deal with that, and you go and you confess that. But I think the first thing is if you confess it, and if you have confessed this in the past and you still, past and you still struggle with it, then it really is this lie that, that goes against the word of God that says you're not forgiven. And, and what I would encourage you to do is just to stand on the word of God and say, wait a minute, I am forgiven. I receive forgiveness. This is done. In the name of Christ, this is done now. I'm forgiven. And if there's a lie that you've been buying for years, Scripture talks about how patterns can give Satan a little handhold or a foothold and a stronghold. And you just, you just say, in the name of Christ, if there's anything that is from Satan's kingdom that's part of this lie, I break your right to attack me. Get out of my life. You don't have to talk to him if they're there, if they're not. You just take your stand and tell them to get out. They have no right. As soon as you confess and take your stand in God's truth. So first is receive that forgiveness. Second is, is break the lie, whether it's unforgiveness, false guilt, toxic shame, curse, or, or maybe a different one. The Holy Spirit will show you. You can ask him. You just use Christ's name. And the, the couple other thoughts to, to think about. God may have you come and confess this to someone, to share this with someone. You may need help. The Bible sets up the, the, the community of believers as this place where you can come and it's safe. It's safe to confess and it's safe to find healing and to receive forgiveness and to get free. And you may need help on this. There's, there's a saying we have in our culture, right? Physician, heal thyself. And why do we say that to physicians, right? Why is it ridiculous for a physician to diagnose their own condition? Because they don't have perspective. All they have is their own perspective on themselves, and they don't have it from the outside. And it's the same in our spiritual life. There are moments where God says, look, you cannot do this yourself. You need someone from the outside looking in that can help pull on some of these lies or help you move through healing, help you move into forgiveness, help you move into... You just can't do it on your own. 
you're going to need help. And I would encourage you, somewhere along with this, I don't know how this fits in, but we have a freedom ministry here, and it's, it's just that, freedom. Who doesn't want freedom? And it, it helps lead people through, how do I get free from the wounds in my past that still haunt me, uh, that still have a grip somehow? How do I get free from sin I've done? Uh, how do I get free from even this, this idea of curses or my family? As I look at my family line, this is always in my family line. How do I stop that? How do I deal with the fear? I've got overwhelming fear. That's the freedom ministry. And if you've never gone through that, I would encourage you to go through that. There's something that happens in those rooms because what, what, what happens is this, is the presence of God gets released and healing comes and freedom comes. I mean, it's often what happened with Jeremiah where somebody just sits there and it is the peace of God that is so overwhelming. You should talk to Jeremiah here over the next couple of weeks. I, I, you know, over the last couple of weeks since that time, uh, he and I talked and I go, how you doing? And he goes, he says, I can't believe it. He says, I'm a different person. He says, it's gone. He said, it's gone. He says, I had no idea. He said, I just, he says, the peace that's there. He says, I love myself. And for him, that's a good thing. For some of you, you love yourself too much in the wrong way, and you know how that goes, right? This guy. It's so tragic that so many of us walk in condemnation when Christ says, you're free. You are free. And then he starts to say, no, this is who you are, and this is what I've said about you. This is more true than that. That's a lie. There's no condemnation. And the spirit of life, when the spirit of life comes, and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit more uh, next week, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings life. He does. I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to sing a song here at the end. And it's a song that, that's just, imagine Christ telling you, this is really a song about what he has said to us about who we are, the truth of who we are, if we truly follow him. And uh, I remember about 10 years ago, um, I was having like a major, I was hitting the wall. I was hitting the wall emotionally, spiritually. It was uh, one of the most difficult times in my life. And I was in this leadership uh, thing, class, school. Um, and so we had these meetings up in Vancouver, Canada, beautiful area, easy to have leadership meetings up there kind of thing. And I've, I was on this island where it was, um, and I literally fell apart. I was just a wreck. Things were really difficult in ministry, and uh, I was at my breaking point. And I literally got on the island. I, did, I, I just probably sobbed half the time. I was just falling apart. And they passed me from one leader to the next leader to the next leader, like, dude, this guy's messed up. You need to go to him. And, and by the end, I met with literally all the leaders, and I, I knew everybody else wasn't doing that, so I knew I was really bad off. And uh, they finally gave me to this probably, they were 60s, maybe 70, uh, German couple. And uh, they, had, uh, they were refugees from Germany from World War II. And so and this guy was just classic German just like you would picture them and just 
straight, I can't even do a German accent. It goes into, it goes into Austrian, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I don't know German, but, um, but he's like, you, uh, we get in the middle of this thing, and, and what happened was um, I was uh, just in relationship with someone that was so condemning, and they just, uh, they were like my uh, kryptonite. You know, you have somebody that's just your kryptonite you relate to, and they can say something. Nobody else will say it. It won't, it won't hit, but won't stick, but that person says it, and they were my kryptonite, and I owned it, and they just were so condemning, and, uh, and we get in this thing, and it, and it soon becomes very clear that it's not only their condemnation, but I also struggle with my own self-condemnation. See, I'll reject myself before you can, so it won't hurt when you do it, and that's kind of my M.O., And I was just, I was a wreck. And this guy said, this is what's going on. And part of this is, you've let this stay here. This has now become such a stronghold in your life. There's demonic power part of it. And he just, we go through this process of setting me free. And I'm in tears. And and it's just one of those things where you realize, oh, the spirit of life has set us free. And I didn't know there could be that much life. And God's like, Oh, you have no idea how much life. You just tasted it. And there's so much more. There's so much more life when we live in truth and we're free of condemnation. And what Christ and you, I just, I, I so long for all of us to live in that point, in that place where Christ and his condemnation, that freedom, that forgiveness is our truth because it's his reality, right? He wants you to own it today. Let's worship him.